0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Ladig and welcome to another show. Today, we are going to be talking about mentors. And initially, I had planned on talking about linguistics and vibration and some of those kinds of things. We'll get to that topic another time for sure. I can guarantee that maybe even next week. But I decided to change things um, this morning because I learned that one of my early mentors, um, a gentleman named uh, Don Norai, um, passed away this morning. And I hadn't talked to Don for years, uh, but he had a, a really profound influence on who I am as a person. And I've had many mentors over the years, I've been really blessed with that. And uh, so I thought it would be um, kind of fitting to explore that whole idea of mentors. You know, each of us have the possibility of being that uh, to somebody. And um, chances are likely that most, if not all of us here, or whoever's listening to the recording, have had mentors in our lives, either those that we've physically interacted with or perhaps you know, mentors from afar, you know, uh, in a book that we've read or something that we've seen on TV or whatever. I've had really great experiences with mentors. I didn't necessarily go looking for them or shopping for them. It just kind of happened. And I learned some things. Uh, certainly a lot of who I am today is because of their guidance and direction, but, um, also, you know, I learned some other interesting things that I think can really help us in those same kinds of roles. I think that um, we're presented perhaps even as uh, much as every day with an opportunity to be that for somebody else. You know, whether it's just it could be as simple as being polite to somebody or pointing them in the right direction <clears throat> real quickly. It could be even more so of, you know, almost to the level of, um, lifelong guidance and some of those kinds of things. My first mentor that I've shared about before was a, a gentleman named, uh, author Hoke, and he was a, um, uh, certified electronics genius. Uh, just absolutely brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, I guess I a lot of my interaction with him was in my early to to late teens. Um, he passed away whenever I was nineteen, I guess. But I spent a lot of time with him. Um, he wasn't very well known in the town that I grew up in. He was a recluse. Um, you know, there were a lot of rumors about him um, that weren't necessarily positive um his house was dilapidated it was like this old three-story building with grass growing up all around it and you know all the paint off the siding so all the boards were gray you walk into his house and it had a very distinct smell to it of old you know and uh, to say that his house was cluttered would be an understatement by a lot um just stuff everywhere a lot of it was junk, but hidden in the junk was magical things that I just absolutely loved, like lasers and uh, books and all kind. Of, I mean, you name it. I've talked about him before. Um, <clears throat> we talked about a lot of topics, but the, the one um, statement he made, as I've shared before, that he had such a, a profound impact on my life personally was um and this would have been like in 1980 i guess um he said you know we talked about a lot of things over the years and i understand that most of it probably went over your head even though you really wanted to understand but if you don't remember anything else that i've told you i want you to remember this and that is the secret to everything is resonance and vibration and, of course, at the time, 18 years old, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. Like, whatever, okay. I sure tried. You know, I tried to get it. I tried to figure it out. And, you know, I remember writing out the thoughts and ideas and stuff that I had in journals and everything. Um, but I just couldn't get it until years later. And I finally understood what he was talking about and what he meant. Um, but... I didn't really have anyone huge in my life like that. I mean, there were different people like bosses and different ones that I looked up to, but none that were really um, what I would consider a mentor uh, to me until much later. Um, I lived in New Jersey for 10 years. I moved to New Jersey and then lived there 10 years. And then um, I got married, we had our two girls, And my youngest had a lot of health issues relating to her kidneys and um, at the same time I had a real strong desire to move back to Pennsylvania because that's where uh, all my family was and um, my wife at the time was from New Jersey that's where her family was Um, and so the only primary catalyst that enabled that move was twofold. One was that I got a job. Um, The other was uh, that there were doctors locally that felt that they could help Courtney um, at Hershey Medical Center. And uh, interesting experience. I had had um, like a waking vision or something one day when I was driving to work. I managed a printing company in New Jersey and All of a sudden i saw this this picture of a building and on the one side i knew that the building was a video production facility and on the other side it was a publishing uh company and it was just in a flash it happened while i was driving i nearly wrecked the car because it was so (laughs) so pronounced and it stuck to me uh and being the manager of a printing company at that time which you know you're talking late 80s uh technology was really starting to change and desktop publishing was becoming a thing and um i knew that that was the future but the company that i managed uh, the owners were very very old school i mean they got their start in the 20s using hand type and stuff like that so you know bill the uh, one owner is owned by brothers um thought that desktop publishing was just a passing thing that was going to amount to nothing. Ha ha. You know, this is whenever I was quoting print jobs, you know, on a 386 computer in DOS. So obviously some things changed. Uh, well, I got, I got the vision, you know, that software and all that was the wave of the future. And so I didn't own a computer personally, but I bought a couple things of software Um, that you could do some desktop publishing with, uh, just so that I could read the manuals. I wanted to learn so bad that I just bought it to read the manuals. And so when things happened, um, that we were able to move back to Pennsylvania, uh, it it was interesting. Um, I knew that I wanted to get into publishing, but I didn't know exactly how that was going to come together and things were really bleak before we moved back. Um, we were told that, uh, well, Courtney had surgery. It was a failure, um, or, you know, wasn't successful. Uh, the doctor told us that she was going to have health problems her entire life and she would always have to, uh, be catheterized the rest of her life and all this stuff. And, um, I was a much different person then, but just trying to figure out life like a lot of us, you know. And um, I got this idea, I'm not sure where, I don't honestly remember anymore, I probably read it somewhere, but I grabbed a piece of paper and I made this list of what I wanted our life to look like. And it included moving back to Pennsylvania. It included working in publishing somehow. It included um, having a a three-bedroom rancher. And I mean, I went into a lot of detail and dated it and um, tucked it away in one of my journals. And there was a scripture verse back then that really stuck out to me and i didn't know why um you know i grew up in a a christian home and um charismatic you know all of that so we you know i every morning getting ready for school and all of that you know we listened to like um different teachers that my mom and dad like like kenneth copeland and uh kenneth hagan and folks like that So I grew up with that, you know, constantly. And um, so I probably got it from that somehow, from them somehow, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, um, I made this list and I put it away. And it was really tough watching Cordy go through what she went through. And um, I remember there was this verse that I latched on to. Um, for whatever reason, and it was talking about um, Jesus. I don't even remember exactly what the verse is anymore, but it said something to the effect of, Tony paraphrase, you know, um, something about how Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And somehow that registered in my head that he got through everything that he went through because he was focused on the end result, like what, was gonna, what it was ultimately going to be like. And we were certainly going through our own hell. And so my mind just latched on to this vision of what I had written down on a paper. And so constantly I was encouraging my wife at the time, Deborah, you know, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I want you to think about... Us living in Pennsylvania, Courtney being well, you know, and I just kept going through that over and over and over again. Well, um, one day I was at work at the printing company and I got this postcard in the mail and it uh, talked about Companion Press and the address was Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, which is very near to where I grew up and I mean, it's about 10 miles from where I live now. And I'm like, Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. Like, they have a publishing company, and it was a Christian publishing company to boot. So I had no no idea who it was or anything like that, but I just somehow knew that I needed to talk to them. And so I took a train up to uh PA here uh one one weekend. And my dad and I went into um the address where this company was in Shippensburg, uh, at the time. And so I'm standing there and I was looking, they, there were like, uh, employee pictures and all that hanging all over the wall. And so I'm standing there waiting for somebody to talk to. And I was looking at these pictures just to kind of pass time because they were taking their good old time coming out to see me. And all of a sudden, I realized that I recognized a lot of these folks, and I didn't know why. And um, what I discovered and later learned was um, the first real job that I had uh, whenever I was 18 was working for a local newspaper, and I was the janitor there, (laughs) and later learned how to run an offset camera and stuff, and did photography for the paper, ultimately, and all of their darkroom work and all of that. Well... Come to find out that several of the people that I worked with left the newspaper after I had moved to New Jersey and started a Christian publishing company called Destiny Image. And so the owner of that company was Don Norai, the person who just passed away this morning. And so through a series of discussions and conversations, I was still living in New Jersey, but Don offered me a job as a customer service person basically working with authors and so um he was very generous he put me on their insurance right away so that courtney would have coverage my first day of work there i actually went there from the emergency room because we had been there all night with courtney and um I discovered pretty quickly that me being a customer service person for authors wasn't my strength. <laughs> I just really wasn't that good at it. and um, But what I was doing, what I did was I had asked permission from the general manager um, or the production manager if on my lunch break, I could play around with this graphic design software that I bought a few years earlier and I didn't have a computer. So I asked if I could install it on the computer and just kind of dabble around with it um, to learn it. It was mostly a vector-based software, very similar to Adobe Illustrator now. But um, I don't even remember the name of it. It's no longer available. But she said yes, and so that's what I would you know, spend my uh, lunchtime's doing. I would eat at my desk and play around with this software. And so, within a month or two of me starting at Destiny Image, um, they decided they were doing all of their artwork out of house and decided to bring it in house. But they couldn't find an artist. And so the production manager had noticed what I was doing during my lunchtime and suggested that they um, that the owner. Uh, Don, give me a shot. And um, so he called me to his office and asked if I would be interested in in designing book covers and stuff like that. And, and I jumped at the chance, of course. And so he gave me a budget, um, said, go buy all this hardware and software that you need. And um, I did that. Everything came in, I got everything installed, you know, Photoshop and Painter and Quark Express and all that kind of stuff, you know, on a lightning fast four eighty six sixty-six computer. And uh the day after I installed the software, I hadn't really used any of it before, except just a tiny little bit with demos and stuff. The day after he called me uh into his office and he's like, everything come in okay? Yes. You know, um, you have everything installed and ready to go. And he said, yes. And he said, good. Um, you ready for your first job? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, like design a business card or something, (laughs) you know, that's what I'm expecting. No, that isn't how Don, uh, did things. You know, my very first job as a designer without even really knowing the software was to design a national ad campaign for a new book that they were developing. And this ad would go in Saturday evening post and all of these other magazines. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, you know? And so I went through a lot of the learning pains that most designers go through. Um, but over the course of my time working with that company, I design well over 500 book covers. And, um, and through all of that, uh, Don had, uh, had started a church. So he was uh, my pastor, my boss, all of that. Um, that's not always necessarily a good combo, <laughs> by the way. Uh, which leads me to a really good point about mentors. And that is that, you know, they're all human. Um, they're going to do things that you don't agree with. They're going to make mistakes. As a matter of fact, if you agree with everything that a mentor of yours says and does, they probably shouldn't be your mentor. Mentors are meant to kick you in the ass and get you going, you know, to point you in a direction, not to lay everything out for you. They're guides. And Don definitely was that to me in a lot of respects. He was kind of like a father figure. Uh, in a lot of ways even though he was only like 10 years older than me but um there were there were some things that i definitely we definitely didn't see eye out eye on. and ultimately whenever i left the company i left to start my own business in 2000 and unfortunately that severed that relationship he saw it as a you know as an attack kind of thing even though i wasn't Um, but there were some other things that happened in that same period of time that I won't get into, but, um, I was expecting like, you know, the little bird leaving the nest and getting a a glorious send off and that kind of thing. And that didn't happen at all. Um, I did continue to work for the company as a freelancer off and on, um, over a period of years, but. Um it was it was really interesting. One of the things that I learned from Don was um to never give up, like ever. His nickname for me was uh Tonacity, which obviously is a spin on my name. And um I, you know, I, I was talking to Kristen this morning. I said, you know, I've never really been able to figure out where the drive that I have comes from, um, I mean, my parents were, you know, great parents and they, you know, they worked their nine to five and they were career people, you know, at it. So, you know, my mom worked at the places she worked until they closed their doors or she retired. Uh, my dad retired from working for the school district for 35 years. You know, and that's that was how they were and are and uh, I mean, Mom has her own business now, so you know she ended up being entrepreneurial um and my sister Terry certainly has um focus uh in a lot of respects, but like I have this drive in me that I can't fully explain. It's like the stuff that I do and uh want to do and create and develop and all of that it uh, some of you can probably understand this but it's like i'm compelled there there is no gray area it's like it's like i can't help myself you know it's like it i have to do it i can't explain it any other way You know so the stuff that i teach the the businesses that Kristen and i develop the big plans that we have uh it's not a matter of if i can do it or anything like that they all already exist like i can see it all in my head very very clearly and in reflecting on my time spent um, working with dawn years ago um because I started working for that company in 1993, Um, I realized that I got some of that from him uh, because he was very much that way. Uh, Working for him was like living in a constant state of headspin. There was always something new, uh, always something cutting edge. And, um, you know, so I certainly attribute my, um, my start to graphic design, them, because that's literally where I got started. They gave me a lot of latitude, a lot of um, privileges that other employees there didn't have. You know, I really could come and go as I pleased pretty much, uh, all in the name of creativity. Um, Some of the most profound experiences that I had, like the um, one that I shared, I think, in the last show about you know, having the light flash with the information, that all happened there. Um, I got to meet a lot of amazing people and design their book covers uh, in the Christian community, uh, like T.D. Jakes and um, Miles Monroe and different folks like that. Um, In the late 90s, there was a big um, revival movement some of you may be familiar with, and I realized that all of you are from different walks of life and different belief systems and i'm not here to compare or anything like that i'm very uh very much an inclusion kind of person Um, but at the time you know uh, just for context in the late 90s there was a huge uh, spiritual movement um, in uh, florida in brownsville called the brownsville revival there was Another one that ran concurrently that were related and connected in Toronto called the Toronto Outpouring. And I think there was also something happening in England around the same time. And I was involved with all of those. I was behind the scenes in all of them. I designed the book covers for uh, every leader. Uh, from the worship leaders, to the pastors, to the evangelists, to everybody. I designed all of their book covers. I met all of them and spent time with them in person. Um, You know, I remember being in Brownsville and being in the pastor study with all the leaders before they went out to a packed house. And uh, being in Toronto and interviewing, you know, the worship leader and the pastor and all of those folks. Um, and it was quite an interesting experience. It seems like a lifetime ago because I'm such a different person now. But those experiences, courtesy of working for the company, um, really helped contribute to who I am today. You know, even though um, Don and I certainly didn't see eye to eye on things spiritual later, you know, in life, my belief systems are. A a bit different now than what they were then. Um, but I certainly would never take away from the, uh, lessons that I learned there. Um, you know, because I was very involved in everything that was happening in the company and in the church that was there at that time. And, you know, there were just things that I experienced and saw that I, you know, that I just wouldn't have had any other way, you know, from, you know, training prayer teams to running video cameras all around the country for, um, you know, live events. Um, you know, seeing revivalists praying for people and I'm standing there with a video camera, videotaping everything for television and people are falling over left and right on both sides of me. You know, it's like, that was the kind of experience that I had with Don as a mentor. Um, not that I do any of that now. I mean, Chris and I don't, I don't currently attend church or anything even, um, but we're very much uh, spiritual people for sure. But I i have to say that um, even though my mentor relationship with Don ended in a way that i wouldn't have preferred i'm incredibly grateful for the person that it made me um through all of that and since then i mean I've, I've had other mentors some of whom are you know i'm still involved with at some level or another some certainly in the uh, marketing space like joe vitale and um, jim edwards and uh different ones like that who have spoken into my life and I've spoken into their lives and all of those kinds of things. But one of the things that I really want to encourage everyone in is that mentors are something that we all need, whether it's male or female, you know, a guy or a gal, doesn't really matter. They don't have to be older than us. <laughs> um, they can certainly be younger. I mean, I think the the bigger thing is that as we're on this journey of nerddom, whatever that looks like for each of us, we need signposts. Um, you know, we're constantly being guided on our own hero's quest. And um, that journey sometimes is scary as hell. Uh, Sometimes we need encouragement. Sometimes we need, you know, somebody to point a finger in a certain direction and say, what about this? Um, Sometimes we need somebody to kick us in the behind um, or tell us that we've done a good job. Sometimes we need people to really piss us off and, um, you know, become a catalyst that way. You know, so it isn't always good, fun, touchy-feely, yay, I feel much happier and better now kind of mentorship. Sometimes uh, some of the best wisdom and insights that I've gained from mentors has royally ticked me off. You know, (laughs) I mean, just, you know, they're crazy, they're insane, they don't know what the heck they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then later on, it's like, oh, I guess they do. I mean, I remember one time with Dawn, Um, I was designing an ad for Christian Retailing Magazine, and um, it was featuring uh, T.D. Jakes and Miles Monroe. They had new books coming out that we published. And I decided to take the approach to make it like an 1850s wanted poster. You know, like, you wanted these books. You know, you want these books. And so I had... I designed the whole thing um, with their pictures on it and it really looked like, you know, a wanted poster from the 1850s. It turned out cool. Um, uh, and unfortunately, the, uh, the background, whenever the, the design came out in print and we got the magazine, the background was a little darker than I thought it should have been. Um, Whether it was my fault for the design being too dark, or maybe they printed too much ink, who knows. Um, But it was dark. And uh, so it made the readability a little bit challenging. And Don called me to his office. Um, His board of directors was there. uh, All of whom I knew. Some of whom I was friends with. And uh, reamed me out in front of everybody, like he didn't do it privately, he did it publicly, and um, I remember him yelling at me and saying, um, you know, if you weren't so valuable, I would put you out on the street right now, because of this magazine design, or the ad design. And, you know, it was around that same period of time where he had told me, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're meant to do something or not. If it looks like a mistake, it's a mistake. <clears throat> and any of you who have been with me for any period of time know that I've repeated that many times, because it's true. So I went out of that meeting very flustered, very um, humiliated. It, it was really challenging actually from a professional perspective. Um, because, you know, this, this man that I looked up to, uh, just really read me the riot act, uh, undeservedly, I thought, and everyone else also thought that it was undeserved. And so it was embarrassing that it was done publicly and, and all of that kind of stuff. The irony and twist in it all is that that particular magazine ad, uh, won several awards. Go figure. It was the first ad that ever won any kind of design awards or anything like that. Um, so the, uh, the lesson in there was kind of bittersweet in some respects. I mean, I, it was like, you could say that I kind of got the last laugh. Um, but it was an interesting learning experience. And I look back at it now and, you know, I have to say that I don't It like I didn't enjoy it by any stretch of the imagination but um, if anything it taught me to be tough I remember telling the general manager right after that happened I said you know um, I'll run 110% for this company 24-7 because I believe in it but I can't be running at that speed I can't get hit with some kind of a side wind you know like this craziness Cause it'll knock me right off the track. Like if you want me to run and do everything that I can for this company running at 120%, you need to make sure that I'm not distracted by this kind of stuff, you know? And I remember having that conversation with her. And so I don't know, again, you know, I can, I can't necessarily look back to any other experiences and say, I got my focus and tenacity from this other than those particular experiences with Don. Uh, and so I'm really grateful for that because um, I'll tell you what, I mean, I can be pretty damn relentless. <laughs> I just don't give up to a fault. Sometimes you need to learn when to give up. Like uh, Kenny Rogers says, you've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them sometimes i haven't figured that one out uh yet but i have a heck of a good time trying that's for sure um but all that said i think one of the reasons why it's so important you know we look at ourselves and we we are so familiar with our own experiences and you know our own lives and our own bs um you know we know it to a fault and the challenge for us is to take all the input, all the data that we get from our own experiences, um, from the input of the mentors that are around us, or the ones that you know we read after or, or watch videos of, or whatever the case may be, and process it all in a way that makes us better. But the important thing is to process it, to not stay stuck. You know, I could have remained upset with Don over that experience, Um, but I made a choice not to because ultimately he had expectations, I had expectations, we all do. We have a tendency at times to project our expectations on others. We put them up, and we'll put people, especially mentors, up on a pedestal as if they could do no wrong. It's extremely dangerous to do that. I mean, I remember um, there was a period of time that came when, as an adult, I had to accept the fact that my dad would never be who I wanted him to be doesn't mean that he wasn't my dad. It doesn't mean that he didn't love me, that he was proud of me, that he, you know, did things with me. I mean, all of that's true. You know, he was proud of me. We did do things together. But there were expectations that I projected onto him that ultimately I had to realize, you know what? That's not dad. He's just not going to be that kind of father. And, um, and so some of that need that I felt I had Um, I got from other men that were in my life. And I I was telling Kristen this morning, I remember having a conversation with my dad um, a few years before he passed. Um, Probably five or six years, maybe. And at that time, we were doing a lot in the Native American circuit. Um, We were dancing powwows. Uh, We were doing uh, presentations Educational presentations in schools all over the East Coast Um, Lots and lots of them. Holy cow. And so there was this uh, one gentleman um, His name is spider web. That's his real legit name (laughs) and uh, We're still friends today, so this would have been back in 2004 and so spider was doing a lot Uh, with uh, my family at the time and so he got to know my parents um him and his wife Um, his wife's name is tequitha and um you know they're cherokee elders and and such and um dad and i were having a conversation about something along these lines about you know doing things together and all of that and he says well you know you have spider in your life that you're doing things with and uh, and I told dad I said I don't I, I don't want spider I, I want my dad and he said I know you do and it was really challenging because um, on the one hand spider really was a mentor of mine um and on the other hand my dad was my dad and i was certainly getting dad type things from spider uh but again you know the learning lesson here is to take it all as input and use it to propel you forward um and so uh spider and i had a a break in our relationship as well seems to be the story of my life uh, with mentors, um, uh, partly because he said some things that helped lead to my divorce, uh, with my first wife, um, which was very, very interesting, um, which I didn't learn until much later, but, uh, since then we've repaired that relationship and we don't talk as much as we used to, but we're friends, which is awesome and he's an excellent artist and I buy a lot of art from him because I love his art style. As a matter of fact, I get stuff every week. He just makes these cool little paintings of these robots. That's great. So I guess my lesson here is that, um, especially when it comes to mentors, you know, whether they're, um, spiritual mentors, educational, um, mentors, um, You know, like perhaps there was a professor that you looked up to in school that you learned a lot from. Um, Recognize the fact that they're human beings, just like the rest of us. They put on their pants and clothes the same way we do. They have their own foibles. They have their own demons. They're going to get it wrong. But our, our goal is to find those nuggets the couple things perhaps that they say that points us in the right direction and then run like crazy but also not forget their contributions you know even though um you know looking back some of the people who were mentors of you may have harmed you or did something that broke a relationship or whatever it doesn't negate the good that they put in your life it's part of your heritage You know, I've been doing a lot of genealogy research, and we're going to be talking about that here in the future on one of the shows. But we all have different types of heritages other than just blood, other than just DNA. Um, We have, I like to call it, spiritual DNA, uh, where uh, those mentors and chance encounters and people that we've connected with in the past have all input into us to make us who we are. Like, you know, I just discovered definitively last night who my dad's real father actually was. Um, I had been told that it was this man, but I honestly didn't believe the story. And there was pretty compelling evidence to the contrary. But courtesy of DNA, um, I was able to prove conclusively that it was indeed him and so here's this person never knew never met he was adopted didn't even know his father um and through dna i've been able to figure out who he is as well um but here i am you know they all contributed dna to who i am uh and that's awesome and so you know traits that i have um health conditions or the lack thereof that I have you know all of that came from them but me as a person you know I have Dawn DNA spiritual DNA in me I have Mr. Hope DNA in me I have uh, Don Milam and spider web and Joe Vitale DNA in me um, that makes me who I am emotionally spiritually you know all of that as a person and so do you you know every one of you do every one of you can point back to the teacher you loved in school versus the one who hated you we all had those (laughs) um we can all point back to random conversations or chance meetings or the family friend or whatever and granted there are also Negatives that happened to us that have impacted us and made us who we are um, In some cases horrifying experiences that made us who we are um, But I'm grateful for the signposts that have been along the road for me, you know, I turned 56 a week or so ago um, Which I'm fairly certain is a lie A conspiracy that is meant to deceive me into thinking that I'm older than I really am but we'll go with it because there is some documentation that seems to prove that that is indeed the case but (laughs) but any I mean I'm in my head I'm like in my 40s I asked my mom one time who's in her 70s now um, early 70s I guess well 75 I guess my mom is this year I asked her how old she thought felt like she was in her mind and uh, she said well I still feel like I'm 18 but I sure as heck don't move like I am <laughs> which I thought was funny I can totally relate to it because um, I most of the time I don't recognize the guy in the mirror you know this person with you know hair that's leaving and half of it sticks out the side sometimes and you know whatever but um I've lost my train of thought of where I was going. But anyway, these signposts that, uh, that guide us, you know, that um, help us on our journey. You know, even though I'm 56, I'm sure that there are going to be more people that I encounter. Um, I'm positive of it. I'm counting on it. And it's not that I'm idolizing them or taking a position that I need them to move forward. Um, it's just recognizing that we're not islands unto ourselves, that... We are who we are because of people. Um, In my case, probably not necessarily people who frequently frequent Walmart, uh, although Walmart does have some really cool Star Wars exclusives, which is why I go there. Um, But beyond the the toys, um, it's a scary place to visit. Um, And so whenever you're uh, looking for somebody who is going to be a mentor. Most of the time, it's not like you pick them or they pick you. It's like, oh, you know what? You're pretty cool. I think you're going to be my next mentor. Congratulations. You know, it'd be cool like if it worked that way. You know, the only reason why Joe ended up really being a mentor to me in a lot of respects uh, is because whenever I recognized that cover design was something I needed to transition out of and find something else to make money at, you know, I literally went online on Google and, uh, and typed in like how to make money online. (laughs) Like I literally did that back in 2005 or something, 2004 or five, somewhere around there. And, uh, and Joe's site, mrfire.com was the first one that I came to and i devoured that entire site i read everything that he had on there he recommended a course i would buy it um you know he brought out his own books like he he at the time he had this book that he had written for his sister called spiritual publishing and he made it available for download and so i downloaded and i read that book forwards, backwards, sideways, in other languages, <laughs> whatever, I just devoured that thing. And then, of course, that book became The Attractor Factor, uh, which uh, I just reread the latest version of it um, a couple weeks ago. Such a good book. And, um, and it's just the way it worked out. And I got to know Jim because uh, Joe and Jim worked, uh, wrote a book together and uh i was fortunate enough to be the through just a weird set of circumstances cool set of circumstances i was fortunate enough to be uh the cover designer for those books uh the books that uh, joe and jim wrote together and of course now they're both friends of mine i've shared the stage with both of them at different times and uh have had the opportunity to thank them in person for the impact that they've had in my life Um, But it was just random. You know, like even though I happened to land on Joe's page, it wasn't like I made a conscious decision. Wow, Mr. Fire's awesome. You know, I'm going to make him my new hero, (laughs) my new mentor. It just, it was, Joe had to say what I needed to hear at the time. Just like Don had to say what I needed to hear at the time. Uh, Every mentor caused me to consider things I'd never considered before. They enabled me to see things from a perspective that I'd never seen before. And I'm grateful for that because all their input and my own action have led us to this moment in time right now. We're having this conversation now because of them. And uh, I can't discount that. And so, again, I'm I'm really grateful. And I could spend hours upon hours, honestly, um, talking about things that are very much a part of my life now because of input that I got from those guys. And they're not all guys. You know, there've been some women that have been very influential in my life as well. But certainly more men. Um, but anyway, I want to take a couple minutes here and go down through some comments and questions um, just to get some of your insight as well. <laughs> Uh, Liz, I yeah, I definitely like to hear about that um, the uh, book that you mentioned about the ninth insight. I've read a lot, uh, a number of James's books. Um, Lord says, um, please explain what you found out uh, that he meant about resonance and vibration that's a huge topic (laughs) actually that's like several nerd unscripted episodes right there um but one of the big things that like I've always been a math nerd science nerd always I mean whenever I was a kid I would like my idea of a good time as a kid I was kind of a boring teenager but uh, my idea of a good time as a teenager was to divide out square roots by hand um and reverse engineer scientific notation like that was my day of a good time and blow stuff up i had this obsession with explosives but um i survived that fortunately uh but one of the things that i started reading about of course uh, a little later in life was um string theory um and several books like the elegant universe the holographic universe some of those and you know what string theory means uh from a vibrational perspective and then uh courtesy of joe um started discovering a lot of amazing books in the public domain uh like um uh wallace waddles you know great author um um And I'm trying to think of some of the most... I mean, we all know, like, um, Think and Grow Rich, of course. But then there's um, uh, Thought and Vibration. I think it's the name of it. Thought and Vibration uh, by a guy named William Walker Atkinson. Um, There's a lot in the New Thought Movement, Nautilus Magazine, all of that, where they talked about how, you know, thoughts are things and there's vibration connected to thoughts. And then you know you even have um current study where they're recognizing that uh and this was something that i also got from my mentor um, he had a theory that appears to be proving true now um, even more so that um, cells were tunable based on frequency and that the difference between a cancer cell and a non-cancer cell was the vibration that they carried and that if you could localize that vibration and tune it back to the frequency and vibration of a healthy cell it would eradicate the cancer and there's a lot of research now that is uh, being done in that way but he was doing that kind of research back in the gosh um 50s and 60s you know landed him in federal prison um because of it but But anyway, so that's uh, some of what I realized is that, you know, at the core of everything that exists, there's something that's vibrating, you know, whether it's just the whirl of an electron going around a nucleus, you know, whatever, Um, everything has vibration, everything has a tunable frequency, uh, including human beings, um, rocks, you name it. Um, which is how some of the ancients move such heavy boulders, using sound vibration and stuff like that. But anyway, I could talk for hours and hours on that. Oh, Celestine Prophecy. Yeah, I read those um, books, Liz. They were awesome. Um, and Val says Hebrews 12.2. That's it. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Christy says, uh, I remember the Brownsville movement. Yeah, it was, um, it was quite interesting. Uh, Val says, uh, oh, wow, you were in one of the foundations of some of the greats, Brownsville, Toronto. Uh we had just moved to Dallas Fort Worth where I was on staff at Copeland's Conventions for Kid Ministry as well as on staff at the church there. Yeah, um it was cool. I mean, you know, to spend time with like Lyndall Cooley, who was the worship director at Brownsville. Um he actually stayed um not far from where I live now. Um came up uh, right after he and his wife got married. Um and, um, uh, uh, see John Kilpatrick, if I'm, if I'm remembering names correctly, was the pastor there at the time. I don't know if he's still there. And then, um, the evangelist, um, Steve something, I can't remember his last name. Um, Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown. Um, I spent a lot of time with all those guys, uh, designed all their book covers. um, And, uh, there were several guys from England and I can't remember their names now, but, uh, it was quite the experience, you know, very, very interesting time. Um, (laughs) and, and says, Tony, what are the top three things that you really enjoy doing now? Man, that's a loaded question. Um, you know, I really am a researcher at heart. Um, like, what I, I see that, like, the tenacity that I have really comes into play from a research perspective because I'm just like a dog holding on to a rope. You know, just—you are not getting that rope out of that dog's mouth. And I'm kind of like that. And so I really enjoy it. It doesn't really matter the topic so much, although genealogy is the current focus and has been off and on for years. I mean, I have, gosh, 1,500 hours of research probably now on my family's. But, um, but research in general, I love it. I enjoy it. I love learning. Uh, so I would say research and learning is certainly one of the top three. Um, I like creating experiences for people, um, whether it's through courses and training, whether it's through building stores, um, you know, like what we're doing with the toy box and Nerdvana Outpost. Um, There's something magical about creating an immersive experience. Um, I was a sound guy for years and years at church. My dad was a sound engineer, so I grew up with that. And I did a lot of experimenting <laughs> back in those days. i have to talk about that sometime. About how introducing certain sounds or certain frequencies or volume levels or shifting sound from left to right would influence people's experiences. But I did a lot of that kind of stuff. But it ultimately all came down to creating these experiences. So that would probably be the second thing. Um, and the third thing... Um, which of course, obviously, you know, Kristen is a part of all of these, but the third thing probably for me personally, top three things that I enjoy doing is, um, I'm, I'm a discoverer, you know, I really see myself as a discoverer. Um, whether it's discovering more about myself, um, or, you know, finding out what's around the next bend or learning more about other people's strengths. I, 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 I've always kind of seen myself, like I've always related to like Indiana Jones, (laughs) you know, like there's the unknown out there that needs to be discovered. And I want to be that guy. You know, I remember as a kid standing outside, staring up at the stars at night saying, you know, literally shouting out loud, why on earth did you put all of those stars and planets and everything up there if I can't go see them? Like it just literally made no sense to me. Still doesn't, honestly. Um, Although I'm starting to figure out a few things about that. But um, that's who I am. I'm a researcher. I'm a discoverer and a creator of experiences. I think that's a good summary. Cool question. Thanks. Um, Val says, I believe there are very few random encounters. I like to think of them as divine appointments. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Uh, Mavis says, you've made me look at mentors in a different way. Thank you. I now realize some mentors that I didn't recognize as being such. Yeah, that's definitely um, the case, for sure. (laughs) And Johnny is here. (laughs) Uh, Johnny is the manager of our toy store. And um, uh, John and I have known each other since... Uh, 1993 because John also worked at destiny image whenever I started there and uh he said and through dawn you met me (laughs) which is definitely true um yeah the science of money by Wallace Waddles. thanks Judith appreciate that um Let's see. Ann says, I want to thank you for being you and consider you to be one of my mentors as well as introducing me to so many things that I didn't know about. I'm a science and math nerd, too. String theory, the culture um, uh, in the Western Sahara that is in their stories and the origin of the universe. Yeah, it's fascinating. The amount of knowledge, advanced knowledge that exists in ancient myths and stories is incredible. Yeah, Andrew, I don't, I don't think that uh, a mentor has to necessarily be physically there for you. I mean, there's certainly people that I feel have propelled me forward in many ways that I've never met in person. And there's been one or two that I've met in person. I'm like, wow, I really wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> you know, love your books. You not so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I totally think that um, that we have mentors in our life that, you know, we may never meet. Um, Kathleen says, please do some episodes on vibration and resonance. I definitely will. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, and Kathleen says, sometimes please talk about the physical and spiritual mental effects on humans of sound, uh, like for healing, trance work, and so on. Uh, yeah. Um, Robert says, there was a song that never hit the charts. I'm not lost. I'm exploring. <laughs> yeah, that sums me up, man. That's <laughs> That's definitely me. Um, Kathleen says, have you ever tried throat singing or ever studied it? Um, I know a lot about a lot of things, but that's one thing that I've never tried. And, uh, Val says, uh, frequencies, resonance, and vibrations are the essences of life. Every system of your body. All of life has a frequency. And to think that sound waves continue to infinity, uh, waves declining infinitely. Um, these things just blow my mind. Yeah, mine too. I spend a lot of time talking and thinking about all of that, that topic. It, it's really... I wouldn't say it's been a life mission, but it's certainly... Like, whenever Mr. Hope told me that, I took it to heart. I mean, it was almost to me, like I respected him so much. I mean, Jesus just as soon had told me, you know, it's like, like God himself came down and said, oh, by the way, while you're thinking about it, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. And so uh, I think he was very um, strategic in saying that, and I'm grateful for it because It sparked my curiosity and imagination in a way that had never been sparked before. And so the fact that I, even to this day, I mean, he died in like 81, um, even to this day, it impacts me, you know, just kind of speaks to the power of what he shared. All right, everyone. Well, that's all that I have. Thank you all for being here um, and sharing this with me again. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to go next week yet. (laughs) We'll find out. I mean, it is nerd unscripted after all. And and I have the sneaking suspicion that in the spirit of being unscripted, I'm just not going to be able to plan anything. Uh, We'll just kind of go with the flow and see what happens. But there are a lot of topics that I definitely want to explore with you guys. Um, You know, some might be a little out there and some maybe not. But uh, one thing that I would like to request, I'll mention um, that, uh, you know, you can access the replays to these shows on um, the Facebook page and um, or excuse me, on the main page, nerdunscripted.com. And uh, if you scroll down to the bottom, uh, you'll see where uh, those of you who are live can actually see my screen right now. Um, but you'll see where it says replays on SoundCloud, also available on iTunes, follow us on Twitter or join us in fa- join in on Facebook. So this is a Facebook group. Um, you know, we can continue the conversation there. Um, I would love to have uh, your comments and reviews if you would consider it uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes. It just helps with exposure and all of that kind of stuff. If you have been enjoying Nerd Unscripted, please feel free to sound off there. Um, I would greatly appreciate it. And um, that's all I have. Until next time, this is Tony Lottig from Nerd Unscripted. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your week.